welcome my friend to Next Level Change Success, a change conversation for leaders, project and change practitioners for today and tomorrow. My name is Therese Perez of myvirtualchangemanager.com and I'm an experienced change and project professional and people leader with many years of experience in the industry. I love business and I love the people side of business especially. So nothing lights me up more than seeing people use change management, project management and strong change leadership to engage, motivate and inspire people and ultimately transform organizations. If you've heard about change management and have no idea of what it involves, then you're in the right place. If you know about change management, but you want to take your practices to the next level, then this is where you should be. I'm going to share the stories of my experiences interview some fantastic people and I'm going to explore all of the challenges and opportunities that you face in organizations right now. So please join me and let's go and have some fun. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Therese. I'm sitting here in Sydney, Australia. Welcome to the first podcast. It's really exciting Something that actually takes a bit to uh, to get to this point where you're listening to this recording, that's for sure, to really work through what I want to talk to you about today because there's so much to cover and I'm really, really excited about continuing the conversation with you, not just obviously today but in the future. So many topics. I'm going to start at the beginning, share a bit about my journey and also talk about change management and what it is because I think it's kind of fundamental and it may be the very reason why you're listening to this podcast is to find out what is change management all about because I might know that I need a change manager but I have no idea as to what they do and it's no different really to my parents who often ask, you know, well, they're not, never really sure what I do. Um, so let's talk about uh, change management and how it originated now, certainly 20 years ago when I started my career, 20 plus years ago, 20 years ago, so I'm, I'm that young, um, 20 plus years ago when I started my career, change management wasn't even in the ether, it wasn't even a, a word that was used. So I started, I started my career actually in marketing, so I did a degree, a Bachelor of Commerce, major in marketing. I really liked business. I was at that fork in the road as a young person leaving school as to what I wanted to study. So I had the choice of, um, I had a, a, an environmental science aspect or I wanted to potentially go into the world of the environment, etc. It's a bit of a passion. And, uh, and then I realized at the last minute, actually, I really want to do business. So even as a, as a uh, young 15-year-old working in a takeaway store, um, in a chicken shop actually where I grew up I really liked business I liked customers I liked you know the, the machinations the process you know how can we get the food to them as fast as possible I obviously liked playing uh, ca- the cash register taking the money um, seeing that and obviously getting paid as well um, certainly like that aspect so I just I enjoyed business and I always ha- kind of knew I did so I jumped into that bachelor of commerce and uh, and the marketing side. So as a graduate, I I went first role, very green, very enthusiastic. Luckily, jagged myself a job straight away after uh, leaving uni. So I was extremely lucky, and uh, just had a passion for marketing, learning all things in that space. Now, the reason I tell you this story is because one of the first projects I worked on that the executive team 
you know, provided me with the opportunity and some training in was I went and did a basics of project management course and I really love that. You know, I have a logical brain. So I really like this process around how you could manage projects in delivery and how you manage risk and how you get your stakeholders to the table and scheduling and how that worked. And I got the chance to apply it around the goods and services tax, the introduction of that in Australia. And obviously from a marketing perspective, I was also looking at from a how do we communicate that change through to our customers. So quite privileged to actually get that opportunity and as enthusiastic, obviously my enthusiasm was something that has never waned. And, uh, and maybe I'm just bossy. So I got the opportunity to, to work with um, the team, you know, say to people, have you done this, have you done that, are we clear on this, et cetera, et cetera, and provide updates to the executive team. And I always reflect on that around, that was probably the first time I went into the world of projects. Although in marketing, and if you do have marketing background, you're going to probably have this resonate with you that when you're a marketer, you run campaigns, and when you do campaigns, you have to, essentially it's a, it's a project in and of itself. And in fact, most people, maybe you aren't in any of those industries, but actually in your discipline, there are things that you do which are repetitive and which are like small projects that you run. So I had the opportunity, obviously, to run that project and in marketing, running campaigns and and run events and, and have all of these opportunities to learn and develop skills, which have really helped when it's come to stepping into the world of change management. And so what's change management? Well, it's essentially about moving people from what we call a current state, so the way people are doing things now, to a new normal, a new way of doing things. And change management's all about bridge building. And it's about being a professional translator of, okay, so you're looking to do this and deliver this. And so what does that mean for the people? And how do we actually get them to embrace the change? and change behaviorally if need be. So over time in organizations, the reason why change management started to become a thing was that there were so many projects but they weren't achieving the outcomes that the executive teams wanted and needed. Now, when you're not getting the return on investment, after a while you're thinking, what's not working? So we certainly went through in the world a massive investment in information technology like systems, improvement in systems, CRMs, like so many different Salesforce, you know, so many different systems that now are in place that never really existed before. Businesses in, in, the, uh, in the 90s really had systems that were there to deliver the product or service and then they realized, mm, actually this concept of customer relationships started to come to the fore. And I do remember when I was in, in my first role, this was quite a, a really big, I think, element to my career journey was I went to a conference about customer relationship management. And when I went to it and listened about how you could communicate better with customers, segment customers, and I came across the concept via the, this book called The Loyalty Effect by Reichheld which talked about, you know, the cost of acquiring a new customer was two to three times more than retaining and working with your existing customers and providing them a good service. And in fact, I think if memory serves in that book, I also talked about, you know, your salespeople and how you reward people and 
etc etc so by you know, rewarding your staff more you actually achieve a higher performance so there was a lot of um, aha moments reading that book and as an enthusiastic 20 something I uh, went back to the organization wrote up a paper about how we could segment our customers went around to our IT system of around 10 people and had a chat and said is this possible they said yes so I put that in my paper took that to the executive team or actually an executive member and um, was congratulated on the, my enthusiasm um, but was like oh, maybe not right now and uh, and so I was like okay no worries and of course now I'm sitting here 20 something plus years later going it, it's in the DNA of organizations now um, so perhaps I was you know, a bit ahead of my time but certainly change management, customer, the concept of customer, customer relationships was really, you know, took form and are linked. And so executives looked at projects, wanted better return on investment. We're spending money on systems. People aren't using them. We're then having to spend more money on systems because we're needing to fix problems because of data entry issues, etc., etc., etc. And so change management was really born about we need to communicate with our people better. We need to ensure that they're on the journey with us. We want to ensure that they are part of the journey. So it really was an evolution and it has followed the need. You know, new skill sets, just like project management, when project management started to become a thing, was because there was a more efficient way of doing things when it came to creating change and implementing it in organizations. And then there was born a discipline, a process, and a framework for project management. Change management is very similar. But oftentimes the reason I think psychologically people think, oh, I'm not, not so sure about change management is because they categorize it as soft skills. Whereas I like to think of change management as a nice hard skill set around uh, communication, supporting um, but also evaluating, learning um, how you can work with the culture of an organization to achieve uplift in the shortest time frame possible. Because that is really the pressure point and the why that many executives and managers want change management in. However, they, they struggle because it's a process. They realize that actually by following just some of the simple principles, you will be able to expedite change. Without doing that, you're not going to be effective or as effective and you're essentially going to need to remediate or revisit again and again and again until you optimize. And so there's a few things and I'm sure there will be a future chat that we'll have around the concept of agile, um, little a, agile, agility, and change management how they can go hand in hand and where um, people don't get caught on the process they get caught on the um, more focused on how fast can we change so change management is the creation of a plan to take people from the current state to a future state there is definitely a period of transition that is where you're embedding change where you're actually then preparing for transition which is yes we've achieved we're we're heading in the right direction so now we can transition to our future state and head into the new normal and it 
takes various forms. So most organizations have change management in the world of programs. It's almost the easiest environment if you have project managers to actually bring change managers in to work with those project managers. I say easy, a bit tongue-in-cheek, nothing's ever easy. Um, but certainly it is in the programmatic environment that change typically comes into an organization. After a while, what happens is the realization is that there is an all organizational need for change, not just in a programmatic context. And the reason why I say that is that there's oftentimes restructures, redesigns. Organizations are always almost like organic and organisms that um, need to be flexible and change with either demands of customers, response to market, also responses to things that are outside of its control, such as you know government changes, um, pandemics. So organizations are just constantly needing to evolve. And therefore, with organizational change management being a part of an organization structure, it means that they organizations can be more adaptable. So when many people ask me, Therese, where's the best place to put change management as a function? It's a difficult question to answer because it depends on every single organization and its culture and the dynamics that are happening structurally across an organization. And what I mean by that is that sometimes there is a fantastic, you know, there might be a fantastic strategy area that has uh, human resources, those functions, which I think now people are more calling human resources, people and culture or development or whatever it may be, um, complementing their strategy area. Sometimes they're completely separate. Um, So sometimes there's a a whole program area. It's not always, it doesn't always exist in every organization. So it really does depend on your structure, on the culture, But the common element is you always need an executive member to be a champion of change management and understand what it is as a skill set in its own right. The most successful programs, projects, um, where change flourishes is where you do have an executive champion. So if that's something that you need to take away, if you're looking at introducing change management into your organization, I suggest you ensure that there is a senior executive member who understands it, is willing to champion it and really willing to go into battle for you um, and your area because oftentimes when it's not a well understood function, it can be brought in and then easily, um, I guess, exited when, uh, when there might be other pressures. So versus someone who understands the function and the value and who can talk to it, who can evidence it and who can make sure that it's not something that is squeezed at time of fiscal tightness, put it that way. The three areas of change really that we're going to talk about consistently and there's a lot of tangential conversation that I will bring into these um, podcasts, I'm sure, whether it be through speakers or through insights and things that I've come across. Change leadership which is needed more than ever. And there is a great debate. Is change leadership just good leadership? And we'll explore that in future. Change management. So what what is it? What are the key aspects of it? What are the tips that I can provide you with around those very obvious gotchas? The, you need to be aware of this. And I've just given you one insofar as make sure you have strong executive sponsorship 
and coverage for your change function. And let's then also explore behavioral change, like the real people aspects, because um, more and more there's more research, the world of neuroscience, which I really love. Um, the, the, essentially, the, the essence of how to have people embrace your change. How do you create a safe environment, a, a sense of psychological safety, if you will, and growth mindset so that people actually can change faster consciously within an organization? It's a really fascinating topic. There are some great case studies out there now around how organizations have needed to change and change fast and how they've been able to do that um, at scale. The other key part to look at, and there will be a a graphic of this on my website, myvirtualchangemanager.com under the podcast section. So obviously podcast number one. The model typically in change management talks about three focus areas. So projects, change, leadership, that's a pro-sci model, um, talks about the, the three roles there and how they affect change. I'm going to go more to a diamond model, which is about leadership, which is really does affect and statistically, you know, and through research, it does show that the more engaged leadership are, in the change and who can and and the more they advocate for the change the more they're on their on the same page about the change and keep consistent with message and really lead their teams um, under a common goal or vision that really does affect the outcomes of your project or program or change obviously the change management like the the skill set the strengths of the change manager how well they're working as does the the project side so how well and cohesive are the project and change managers working together, but also are they covering the right things in their change plan, considering the culture of the organisation, working with that stakeholder management, scope management, risk management, etc. So both the what I call the right arm and the left arm, which project and change, how well those functions do sit in your projects will affect the outcomes. But more and more, as and every single time we look at these things um, and over the years, what is coming to the fore is about design. So whether the design is um, human-centered enough. So is it about the customer? Have we had the customer at the beginning to help define the problem? Has that been part of the discussion? And through my career, I have learned from some amazing people in this space, policy, uh, directors, people who have shared their knowledge and their approach. And it's really interesting because I'm quite a, a driven person around, okay, let's get something done, let's get something moving. Um, but quite rightly so, when you're in the policy space, is very much around you need to devote some time to having the conversations and to unpacking the problem because it will affect the the outcome. It's going to affect the quality of the outcome because you may be chopping down the wrong forest. You get halfway through and you realize, whoops, this isn't going to be the solution that we is going to achieve the outcome. So once again, I, I would say you're looking at more of a diamond design and a diamond for um, ultimate outcome. And that includes the design aspect. 
So if you jump onto my website, you'll see the graphic there and some of the themes under each of these dimensions of change. And the design element I will mention because we're going to absolutely explore this is the customer experience human-centered design area and also about consultation, what that looks like. It's not just having a discussion. It's, uh, it's more of a process in and of its own right and where that sits within a project or program. Some will say it, it sits outside of it. However, it's a big feed a big feeder into um, when a program stands up to deliver the solution, but how also is the customer, whether the customer be external or internal to your organization, how are they still have a seat at the table through that design? And I think um, digital companies do this exceptionally well because of the industry they're in. And what they have learned is the faster that they can almost have customers or end users actually at the table with them the faster they can actually um, pilot learn test learn and fail um, test learn iterate which now is the you know speed to market concept how fast can we spin something up get it to market test it learn continue to have that conversation iterate um, and achieve better outcomes faster through almost a letting go rather than a rigid, you know, we know best process, which is really where organizations um, are challenging now and saying, are we too arrogant? Have we, have we got people who've almost been working in the industry too long, which means that they can't let go and allow customers to have a voice because they feel threatened by that. And where would they be in the process if that was to take place? Like what's their role? So really interesting, challenging conversations, thought-provoking. And I have to say, after reading Adam Grant's book, Think Again, which I would highly recommend, that book itself was challenging the way I approach things around, well, everything has to be a hypothesis. So I suspect that at this point in time, that is my hypothesis around change management, is that you've got leadership, you've got project management, you've got change management, and you have the design element, so the diamond. Now, that's very programmatic, so I will also probably sit with and will reveal over time what the organisational change diamond looks like, even if it is a diamond, or it may not be. So some thoughts to leave you with there around the framework for a programmatic environment then also please make sure you have an executive sponsor who is going to support change management in your organization if you're looking to introduce it my own journey which has been um, so fascinating and over time you know change management is synonymous with continuous improvement and continuous learning so oftentimes and i'll share a lot of the deployments that I've worked on or a lot of the change that I've worked on and share the insights that I have had, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but the, the lessons that you learn as you introduce change and then really seeing where those weak spots are so that next time you can kind of chalk those up a bit and make sure that uh, they're stronger. And I'll provide you with some tools and templates and things that you can download from myvirtualchangemanager.com. If you are in operational change, if you do work in that world, I do suggest that you check out the website. If you're looking to explore but you don't want to over, overly invest, 
in understanding what change management is, but you do want some tooling and you do want to get some practical information that you can modify and utilize yourself. Um, I do have some courses available, so please jump on the website to help you out there. My whole view and my whole vision, if you're willing to jump on the journey with me, is, uh, is making change management accessible, the skill sets, unpacking the skill sets for you, talking about them, talking about the relevance of it nowadays. And really, it is important in the last two years, we have really had change forced upon us in the form of the pandemic and the response of moving to remote working. Organisations were agile, as agile as they could be, um, probably need to throw the rule book out somewhat to be able to ensure that their workforce could continue to function working from home in the times of lockdown. And so everyone's been extremely challenged in the last two years. And I do see it, this, is, this will continue for the next couple of years without doubt. As organisations work through what their identity is, some have had, had it shaken at the core because of or the cultural aspects, um, because of potentially having a mindset regarding face-to-face and now having to move to more hybrid or having to remove to remote. Um, so the, the real conversation around revert or reimagine is a really relevant one, which we'll be tackling next uh, podcast. But you need to think about the individual in organisations nowadays Microsoft have just done a really interesting study on this across, I think it's 31 countries. I'll put a link through to an article which refers to it because I found it really fascinating. But essentially it talked about individuals have flipped their priorities as a result of the pandemic. And rightly so, because our focus really came down to, well, my health and well-being and my family are now number one. And work took a back seat versus prior to that, it was a lot of people's identity, like it was number one. And as that happens, then your organizations are then finding themselves struggling a little bit to have the conversation with people around coming back to the office. And I think it is something that some organizations are possibly dropping the ball on um, around opportunity by having a fixed mindset around it. If you haven't looked at um, fixed mindsets and growth mindsets, I'll also put a link through to some of that information on my website so that you can um, have a look at that around resources. But there's a big opportunity on the horizon. Well, not even on the horizon, probably on our doorsteps right now. So if you're in a leadership role or if you're um, being asked to comment as an individual or if you're working in change, this is really relevant that you consider the individual impact on decisions, opportunity um, to position your organization as a thought leader in this space. So as we work through this, I think it'll be really fascinating. From a change management practitioner perspective, what are we seeing? What do we need to do differently? How can we connect people in relation to a change in a hybrid environment? How can we have a hybrid psychology so it's not dependent on a face-to-face for it to be effective? What does that mean around our communication channels? What does that mean insofar as connecting with the individual? What's where, where before we used to um, create a, a position or a vision that would resonate, what do we have to do 
how much more time do we have to focus on that to ensure that it does resonate and ring true and then it can grab the attention of the individual. So a lot of things to look at, a lot of questions to be posed, a lot of things to be worked through and I am going to share insights, thinking to support you in your own change journey this year. And I look forward to hearing from you about your feedback on the podcast. I'd like this to be a conversation, not just a one-way recording. So if you would like to leave a rating, that would be fantastic. I'd appreciate that. If you'd like to share this podcast with others who may be posing the same questions, if you'd like to jump onto myvirtualchangemanager.com and email me. Uh, questions that you would like answered that would be fantastic feedback comments and insights always welcome and I look forward to continuing this conversation Uh, my aim is to make sure that you're aware of the recording so subscribe to my newsletter that's how it's going to happen Um, or continue to um, check in uh, or subscribe to this podcast that would be fantastic And have a great day or great evening as to when you're actually listening to this. And I look forward to continuing the conversation soon. And remember that change management and change leadership, they both matter because the people matter in your organization. So thanks very much. And we shall speak again soon.